All right, everyone. So it's been about two, call it three months since our last broadcast. And I thought I'd address that with uh, one big factor, teacher burnout. So if you ever want to fall down a really big Google hole, just Google teacher burnout. Look in news stories, look in images, look in web stories. It's something that affected me for a long time, and it ended up affecting the way I could do this podcast. And I, I didn't know how to approach it. I didn't know how to bring it up to everyone. So I approached it like I would a lesson plan. I did some research. So to give those of you that aren't familiar with the concept of teacher burnout, um, according to some studies that I found from Psychology Today, about half a million of teachers, so about 15% of teachers leave the profession every year. And about 41% of teachers leave within the first four or five years of starting. And Above that, almost 66% end up leaving for another profession or another career. So why? What makes teaching so difficult and why would I start a podcast out talking about something that's not necessarily the most positive? It becomes frustrating. If we want to go through an actual scientific definition, um, again, Psychology Today, thank you, thank you, thank you for researching this a lot for me. Uh, describes teacher burnout as a state of chronic stress that leads to physical and emotional exhaustion, cynicism, detachment, and feelings of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment. So those of you that are teachers out there, I'm sure you listened and heard some of those adjectives and were like, oh, yeah, definitely. Either the cynicism where a comment about a test you just made um, and the performance of the students kind of turned into not so much a conversation about the performance, but sort of a really dark uh, joke or detachment where it's easy to leave your work at school now because taking it home makes you feel so drained that sitting on the couch from three to seven o'clock at night grading feels like the absolute worst. And teachers by nature, we I feel like a lot of us are high performers. I mean, we have agreed to put ourselves into school for the rest of our lives, a place where a lot of people get to leave and they tell stories about, oh yeah, remember when we had tests, we have surrendered ourselves to that environment for one reason or another. And I'm not complaining about my profession. I'm trying to unpack my profession. Um, It seems like something very unique. When you walk in the door August, everything's great. You have all these ideas. You usually read some literature over the summer that has taught you some really interesting things about teaching. And you have rejuvenated yourself. And the idea of having new students is great. You have more Rubik's Cubes to, uh, to solve and, and new problems to overcome. And then slowly but surely, it just seems like you're on a hike that never ends. And there's a couple things, and I'm going to go through some of those things I found online again that um, try to explain what teacher burnout is. But... Upon talking with someone the other day, the way I can describe it is that teaching is really an art performance. Um, It's going into a room five days a week and performing. And I know those of you that have listened have heard heard me talk about that before, where we have the, uh, the alternate personality, the alternate ego that comes out when we teach. And everything that we do to maintain our students' attention has to be authentic, it has to be entertaining, and we have to push a large amount of ourselves into that performance 
in order to keep our students invested in what we do so that they can be invested in what they do. I know that the days when I go into my classroom and I'm aware that I'm faking the energy, my students then will fake or not so subtly uh, refuse to fake the energy and put their heads down or find a really interesting story on Snapchat or something that's a lot more interesting because my energy is faked. So as an artist, which is how I view teaching um, as an art form, you have five days a week of inspiration and you have five days a week of going in front of a board, being your students, that are either going to readily accept what you've done or throw it away. And the days that it's thrown away, it's not thrown away in a polite, calm manner. In the way it manifests in my classroom, it's chaos. In some other classrooms, maybe it might be the test ends up uh, not as well as the results could have been, or students just genuinely, like your high performers, just stare at you blankly and just they're just not vibing on what you've given them. But with some classes, that can turn into you're not being entertaining, so I will turn this classroom into something that I believe is entertaining. And the second thing that I thought about was the idea of balancing positivity with routine. Now, think about how many of you fall into a routine where you drive to work, you don't remember the drive, you know you've brushed your teeth because you can't taste morning breath, or you know that you've had coffee this morning because it's the only thing that's brought you out of your front door. And teaching, the way it grinds so hard is that it becomes, okay, I can either become a robot, an automaton, and go through my day and just get it done. I can punch in, I can punch out, or I can remain positive, I can be that performer my students need, and I can make something authentic five days a week. So for me, it's the idea that I've given so much of my personality and I've given so much of my positivity And then you just run out, and that's what it is. And I think the issue that I had with trying to record this for everyone is that I I promised to myself going into this project that at no point would I do something that I felt was complaining about teaching as a profession, because I love my profession. Um, It's great. It's, It's unique. I get to interact with a lot of kids, and I learn things daily. But there's no there's no getting around the idea that teacher burnout is real and every and it affects everyone in varying ways. And it might manifest someone, maybe they're just a little more tired. Maybe they stop going to the gym. Maybe they self-medicate in whatever way they will. Maybe that's through junk food. Maybe that's through video games. Maybe that's through reading a book that you like and not a book that's necessarily educational. No matter what, there's something that someone is going to do to battle teacher burnout. But I want to backtrack. What what can cause teacher burnout? What what makes us feel like this is too much? And those of you that are not teachers listening, I'm sure you can hear this and you're going to say, well, wait a minute. I have that in my profession. Why is teaching so different? And I don't know. I mean, as as I am six years in the teaching and I have not been in an office profession, I'm not sure. I would love if you could share with me on Twitter what you think about it. Um, but I'm going to speak from what I know. And for one thing, when looking through the research, trying to figure out what brings a teacher to burnout, 
one I've found articles that would do the top 10 reasons or the six top reasons or the the teachers leaving in record numbers, all of these things that are great clickbait. And I don't recommend going down that hole on the internet. Um, but I did it for you. So the first is volume is that a lot of teachers look at the idea of there's too much to do and there's not enough time to do it. We live in a world of assessments now. I know personally in Ohio, we have the air test coming up and starting April 23rd, my students will be taking a test that is meant to um, show a whole years of learning in by April. And no matter if they pass my class or not, they have to pass this test or they fail the course for the year. So when you think of volume, the amount of things that are had to get through for high schoolers in a short amount of time, and anyone that has a teenager as a child or works in high school knows that unless the high schooler wants to do the work, there's no amount of things you can do to force it into their head. And so that goes into the volume of things to do. We as educators are expected to guide students, to teach them and to give them skills besides just the educational ones we have to give. And on top of that, we're required to obtain data, uh, maintain data in case we're audited, and then various teacher training programs. Like in Ohio, we have something called the Resident Educator Program, which into your first five years of teaching, you have to keep continuing college-like assignments in order to obtain your real educator license. And so Teachers get burned out. They're, they aren't able to specialize, and so they feel drawn thin. Now, any of you that have had projects at work, I know that they're similar. Um, my brother, who's a computer programmer, I know when projects come down the line, it's a lot. You're going to stay up. You're going to get stressed. That's natural. So what else compiles on top of it besides just the volume? Well, what about environment? So overstimulation, not having enough resources. For instance... I know I personally am a person when it gets very loud, I just, I can't, I will, I, my brain will start focusing more in onto the sounds and on what I should be doing. And that becomes very taxing. You're living, think about when you're in a crowd at a concert or at a festival and it gets very loud. People just get so tired on that car ride home because of the overstimulation of the sounds of students yelling, of Just the chaos that is wonderful but can kind of be taxing on you or inadequate resources. For instance, some schools um, don't have uh, heat that works in some inner city schools or the heat may be um, unpredictable. One day it might be 60 degrees, the next day it might be 80. So these type of things, the unsurety uh, or uncertainty, see, look, burned out with grammar, uncertainty of what to expect and also just too much happening at one time. So now you have the amount of things to do in an environment in which those things are not attainable. And the next is tedium. So going through the same routine. Now, I'm only six years into my profession, which means that I have not had enough time to say that, oh my gosh, I've taught U.S. history for 35 years. Or... um, Yeah, you know, I taught this way 15 years ago, and so I'll try it again. So I imagine those teachers that have done the same thing year in, year out. August, school starts. June, school ends. And when a teacher gets very good at what they do, they may be consigned to that specific position for the rest of their career. So how many times can you teach the Constitution? 
how many times can you teach all of the articles and all of the amendments and still find it as interesting as you did the first year when you graduated at 22 and were excited to have your students do their constitution project and now you have 15 portfolios of constitution projects in the back of the room. So it's the idea of there are challenges but not the new academic challenges that teachers found so interesting when they got into the content. The next and most popular one that I'm sure a lot of teachers can uh, give a lot of stories for is is student behavior. Um, so the thing that makes teaching awesome for me is the student behavior. Um, it, it keeps you off balance and it gives you a lot of fun stories and a lot of fun times, but also um, it's it's a lot to handle when it's an environment where students are not necessarily receiving the things they need at home and so when they come to school they bring a lot of those uh, a lot of those burdens into the classroom and it's a safe environment and so they know that if they are having a bad day they can lash out in a way where there are not physical repercussions or um, they won't be necessarily thrown out they know it's a safe space which is great but that can be taxing as far as learning how to get a room of 35, 14-year-olds to uh, understand that what they are doing at 14 affects them when they're 24 and get them to be focused. Or or the lack of boundaries where um, some students believe they have access to all of a teacher's life where when you go home, why are you not answering their email immediately? Or... um, why do you need your time at lunch to not be around a student so that you can just have a little quiet time? Or some inner city stuff, gang involvement, drug use. Um, I know at my at my job right now, there's a lot of issues with stuff from the neighborhood that will come into school and students will bring those burdens with them. And it becomes a distraction from education where we are working as counselors, we are working as social workers to help these kids navigate a very adult world or, or drug use as far as if you have students that are experimenting with drugs, um, how do you morally, emotionally, and ethically cope with the idea that there is this 15-year-old kid that you are working with administrators, you are working with parents to try and help them through a time where they might be experimenting with things that are, are potentially lethal? Um, And so student behavior is just a thing that, especially for new teachers, it's a big reason people stop teaching or it's a big reason why when I tell people that I'm a teacher, they just say, oh, God bless you, because everyone remembers them in high school. I remember me in high school. I would not have wanted to taught myself. Um, My Nintendo DS was very interesting. Um, My the inside of my hood was very interesting when it was time to do uh, uh, honors precalculus. And it showed in my grades. But the student behavior can be something that a teacher has made all these lessons and they are uh, ignored for one way or another. Um, And just moving through the next two that I found when I was researching quickly, uh, administrators, if a teacher feels that they are not supported well or maybe they have, unfortunately, uh, an antagonistic combative relationship with an administrator where they don't feel supported. Um, teaching is a community that only works when there's a community. 
there is no um, one teacher in a department and it, and it works. Um, so if there's a lack of community where a teacher may feel that they are not supported by their administrator or that they can't learn from an administrator, um, that can be hard because you might just feel like you are adrift on the ocean with no sail. And I've, I've seen the opposite, though, where I've seen there have been great administrators that their positivity will uh, encourage and motivate their staff and they can recognize when their staff is burnt out and just bring them in and be like, you know what? We appreciate you guys. Keep going. We've got this. It's coming. The end's coming. Um, and last is, is community relations. How does the, how does the media report on your school? Um, if any teachers that are listening that are in an inner city school or in a school that's ever had any sort of scandal, um, if you Google your district, do you just see things that um, hurt because it's it's your home. You're involved there with all of your teaching friends and you're proud of where you work and you're seeing negative images portrayed. Um, or how are your relations with parents? Are parents suspicious? Are parents supportive? Um, I know I have been cussed out by a parent on the phone on a simple phone call. I know I've been hung up on. I've had phone calls ignored. Um, and, it, and it wears on you because, again, teachers are there usually for selfless reasons. Um, they want to help kids. They want to make a positive impact. And it's the idea of giving a present and having someone stomp on it is the, the bigger way I can think of it. So after all of that uplifting um, descriptions, what what can you do? What, what can a teacher do to avoid burnout or or turn it around because if it's something that you're going to encounter every single year which you will every year I guarantee whether it's the weather change into winter or if it's just you teach a unit that's super long or uh, just you just get a case of the Mondays that never seems to go away so for me um, mine that I wrote down were uh, four four things exercise um, setting new goals and remembering why I chose teaching and also just have fun. Um, so exercise. Um, and I totally recommend doing some sort of group exercise. Um, I joined a group called F3 because it gets me out there with a group of guys every morning to exercise before work. So even if I feel tired, I'm up before work and I'm out working out with other people, joking around, having fun. And that positive energy will sustain me for the majority of the day. And even if I had a hard day at work, I can remember that workout. I can remember the jokes and I can move forward. Um, and also setting new goals. I think with the tedium of looking at teaching and becoming used to doing the same thing day in and day out, you have to set a new goal. You have to set something to shoot for. That can be maybe um, something that you want to do at work every day. Maybe it's, you know what, every day at work, I'm going to clean up my room and make sure my desk does not become a landfill of papers that feels like at any point it can topple me and crush me and the jan- or the custodian will have to carry me out. Um, for me, it's, it's that I am trying to, my goal that I've made is just trying to be generally more positive with some, some of my kids that were behavior problems at the beginning of the year. Because the kids that have been doing what they're supposed to, they're easy to talk to. Um, we have a rapport 
that I've never written them up. They've never been to the principal's office because of me. But it's it's more difficult to have those conversations with the kids that are behavior problems at points. So that's my new goal. And it's become sort of a, a challenge daily to, okay, so Chris was just swearing across the room. How do I respond to Chris? And trying to have more positive interactions and redirect behavior is becoming more fun because it's, it's a game. And any of you that have ever listened to uh, Jocko Willing will recognize that as far as the idea that, okay, you don't like something, make it into a game. I'm going to become this kid's best friend. Um, I'm going to become his favorite teacher, even though I've written him up five times. We're going to work on this. He's going to like my class by the end, or at least he will pass my class by the end because they're probably not going to like you. Um, and also remembering why you're there. Every teacher has their story for why they chose teaching. If you ended up in it accidentally, um, you're probably one of the 41% that is going to leave in five years because you have to have something that sustains you beyond just, oh, well, um, I kind of liked social studies, so here I am. Um, Because teacher burnout is really going to hurt if you don't have that spark that still makes you want to stay in there. Um, So just sit down and journal. Uh, remember why why you were there. Remember a moment that reminded you of, yeah, you know, this is this is why I teach. And maybe share that with your students. If you're feeling frustrated, um, maybe just talk with your students and and tell them that you know this is this is why I became a teacher. And open it up to that conversation. Allow yourself to be a human. And that kind of goes into allow yourself to have fun. Teaching is a fun profession for everything that is difficult. Um, It's so unique in the way that your personality gets to shine. And when you let yourself have fun and you view it as a job, but you also start to view it more as a job that you love and things you want to do with your kids in class and maybe you can have jokes with them like when I'm having a bad day... um, in between lesson points, I will have written down jokes from lamejokes.org and I will just start reading them to my kids. And even if they don't like them, I end up start laughing, which then makes them laugh. And we get to move on and everything's great. So I think those are the things that have worked for me. And again, some th- other things I've found for everyone else is just for have fun with your kids, take care of your health, um, learn something new. Um, maybe find an idea that's outside of your content, just something you think would help your kids and discuss it. Um, help another teacher. If you feel like you're drowning, that means someone else in the school is also drowning. Go find them. Be the buoy. Be the rope. Pull them out, which goes into making someone's day and just helping them. Uh, helping them Because when you're gracious and you uh, express gratitude to others and then also work with those other people, it automatically changed your mindset. Um, and just allow yourself the opportunity to give grace to yourself that your job is hard and you're fine and burnout's natural and it's going to happen and you can beat it. And for those of you that aren't teachers and and you're listening to this and you feel like it's a long list of things and it's been a very uh, teacher-centric podcast, you're right. But I feel that for establishing the mission of um, 
giving a more honest view into teaching, I think these conversations having out there are good for everyone to understand that um, teachers are affected by burnout. And the more we can do as a nation, as a state, as a community to talk about this and help teachers out and um, as a community just go in and provide as much support as possible or as parents provide as much support as possible or as staff members making sure that you're not uh, receding into your classrooms. I think that's when we lower that 41% of teachers leaving in, or not 41, yeah, 41% in the first five years or the 15% of teachers that leave every year. Um, So yeah, that's been the thing about teacher burnout. And I already feel better talking about teacher burnout in this podcast. Do you feel better? Did this make you feel a little less burnt out or able to commiserate a little bit more? Because I hope so. Um, so as we move forward, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to go back through my teacher voice, um, some podcast resolutions, what we're going to be doing moving forward. So we're going to continue with some of the interview aspect on a case-by-case basis, but I think what I'm going to start doing with everyone is kind of checking in every week, talking about things I noticed in my classroom, in my school, and expressing them to you. Think of it as a weekly audio journal into teaching. So I hope I will hear from you weekly. I hope you will keep listening. And those of you that have been listening, um, when I get statistics emailed to me every week for analytics for who's listening, I'm still amazed that so many people are listening without uh, content having been published since Halloween. So it has been two months and some change since last episode. So I just want to say I am so grateful and thankful to all of you that have stuck around and also to those of you I know in the real world that have checked in with me and been like hey you know I haven't seen I'll wait pop up in a while so that's accountability so ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening and I'm Mark Hoffman and I'll wait I'll Wait is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Hoffman. Music by Bryce Wood. Hear more from Bryce at bugwolf.bandcamp.com. Special editing assistance by Lauren Ash. Connect with us on Twitter at I'll Wait Podcast and at Gmail at I'llWaitPodcast at gmail.com. Interested in learning more? Any of the stories I research will be in the episode description. Thanks.